Hello and welcome to the God Notes Podcast. My name is Justin, and this is the podcast where I simply share the notes that I've taken through study and prayer and meditation on God's Word. I hope that it blesses you. Before we really get into all the things that I felt that God's led me to understand better and to think about this week, I wanted to talk about the fact that this kind of thing is possible for really anybody. If you have a, a relationship with God, then God's going to be speaking to your heart. And all I'm doing is simply just taking what God's speaking to me because I believe it can bless others as much as it blesses me and sharing that with as many people as possible. And we can all do that. And you don't have to have a podcast. You don't even have to have a YouTube channel or anything like that. And you could share things just, you could write things out that you feel like God is teaching in your Facebook wall. And that could bless people in ways that you've never imagined. The same is true just for in-person interactions. The words that God give us, I don't believe are so specific to us that they can't be a help to other people. Now, maybe they won't help everybody in every situation, but I guarantee you that with 7 billion people on this planet, there are people that are going through the same things that you are, working through the same things that you are, that what God shows you can help them. But we all have access to the same God, and we all have access to the same information through the Bible. And I believe that God is able to use all of us and reveal things to all of us. God's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't respect me more than he respects you. He doesn't use me in any greater capacity than he's capable and willing to use anybody else. So I just want to throw that out there. Like, I, I definitely don't feel super, super confident or... I don't have this this idea, this big head where I think like, well, I'm sharing this because God gave me this, and I think that it could change and revolutionize the lives of other people. I mean, I hope and I pray that anything that I say on this podcast is able to bless you, but I know that if it does bless you, it's not through me, but it's through God who gave these things to me. I don't take credit for any of this. I actually, on my drive to work recently, after some of the it might be some of the stuff that's even in this, uh, and some of the shorts that I made this week just sharing what God had put on my heart— I was thinking like, God, I really appreciate you giving me these things, and I pray that you would help me to remain humble. Obviously, it's it's hard to be humble and talk about being humble at the same time, but that was my prayer was, God, I pray that you would just help me to remain humble, to remain in your word and in your truth, and to not become prideful. But if I boast, let my boast be in Christ, right? That's what the Bible says we should do, and that's really what I was telling God I wanted to be able to do. Now, as I'm praying that, you know, it kind of hits me, and God kind of just throws it in my face of like, do you really think that out of all the people on the planet that are serving me, you're the only one that I'm sharing this with? Oh, wow. You know what, God? You're right. Why would I think that? Why would I think that out of, you know, millions, billions of Christians, why would I think that I'm the only one that's getting shared this with? Because I'm never going to meet these people. And that's also what God was telling me. He's like, there's going to be all other Christians that have a voice, that are doing things for me, that are serving me well, that are speaking out in their communities. They could even be there could even be, you know, mega church pastors that I've never even heard of, right? That that reach tons of people with their sermons and I don't even know who they are. So I shouldn't think of myself as some great, great th- person and like, oh, God is specifically talking to me. The truth of the matter is that God is speaking to multiple people. And it's interesting to think about. I've actually seen that in my own life, you know, uh, listening to podcasts about from like different churches and there'll be sermons that come out and like not I'm not even talking about big churches you know like people that everybody's heard of like your big Bethels or your John MacArthur type churches or you know your evolution or ev- ev- elevation with Stephen Furtick and all that sort of stuff no like I'm saying small churches that like very few people have heard of but just happen to have a podcast some of the best messages you'll hear will come from those kind of churches but anyway and and they'll be preaching either the message that I heard on Sunday at my local church or I listened to two podcasts that came out on the same day and they're preaching the same thing. 
And it's like, wait a minute, what is going on here? What's really going on there is that God is speaking the same thing to the entire body through that person. And so when we receive from God, we can't believe that that's exclusive to us and that we have to tell the entire world. We need to tell who we are able to tell, obviously, and share with who we are able to share with and who we are called to share with. But it's pretty safe to believe that God is sharing that same message with others and using others to display that message. I mean, that's what Paul said, right? When he was talking about some say that they serve Apollos or some say they go follow only Jesus and this, that, and the other. And he was like, wait a minute, we're all doing the same work for the same God. Is God divided? No, God isn't divided. Every Christian's doing the same work for the same God. So we have to believe that we're probably receiving the same things from the same God at the same time. So all that, all that waxing, you know, theological, not, not really, uh, well, oh my gosh, now I've lost it. Phys- uh, psychological, philos- philosophical, wow, now I'm making myself look really smart. Hopefully the other God notes that I'm going to share are going to sound better than this, but really all that other stuff is to say that if you're following God, if you're seeking after God, if you're serving God, then these thoughts could be your thoughts. God's just is able to give you things, and maybe it's things that you don't even realize. Like that's the one thing is like God has a still small voice, and sometimes we think that we come up with things when really... It's God blessing us with those. And many of the things that are on here, uh, like when I get to talking about dead and weak Christians, I was just driving and I was listening to a podcast. I was listening to a guy, you know, doing an interview, a Christian interview, but they weren't even talking about this subject. And all of a sudden that was the only thing that was in my mind. Bam, there it was, right? That was what was in my head. I hadn't been thinking about that. I don't even know where it came from except from God. So all this is to say that if you want to be able to do something similar to this, then Pray, study, read your Bible, spend time with God, and allow God to speak to you. And then you'll have things that you can share with other people. I truly do believe that. Anyways, let's get into some of the God notes. So the first one I've got today, I titled, Time to Scroll, Time to Pray. Uh, I worked at Crystals throughout high school, and they had a saying that they used all the time. If you have time to lean, then you have time to clean. And recently I felt a similar concept in terms of prayer. If you have time to scroll, you have time to pray. It doesn't rhyme, but that doesn't take away from the truth of the statement. I guess you could say if you have time to play, you have time to pray. So I've I've been really fighting recently with that whole idea that people complain and say like, oh, I don't have the time to pray or I don't have the time to study. And also, and not just that, but also we... We've, we've become so much like the world, honestly, as the modern church. The modern church and the world are starting to look more and more alike in the ways that we relax, in the ways that we spend time. Very few Christians pick up their Bible and read them. I know you've heard that a million times, but it's the, it's the honest truth. And very few Christians actually spend more than a few minutes, if even seconds, in prayer every day. But these things are tenets of the faith, and honestly... We shouldn't be spending our time in so many other things. We should be spending our time with God, and we do that through prayer and through studying the Word. And if we have time to sit there and play on our phone, then we have time to pray. We can sit and just have a conversation with God, whether out loud or inside or internally in our heads. We can have that moment and spend that moment doing something much more productive than watching a YouTube short, getting on Facebook, looking at Instagram reels, whatever it is. You're going to do something far more productive if you spend that time with God, either reading His Word or praying or even listening to worship music and worshiping in your car or whatever. 
that's going to be a great use of time. There's two things that that makes me think of now that I'm rebringing this note up, which I think is a fun part about doing this. Is like one helps me to remember, and two helps me to go deeper into the thought. Right? The Bible says that we should redeem the time because we only have so much time, and we should redeem that time. We should use that time to the best of our abilities. If we want to use that time that we have until either Jesus returns or we're taken from this earth, then the best thing that we can do is to use that time for God and using it for the best things we can. Now, is it wrong to be on Facebook and YouTube and things like that? Obviously, depending on what you're watching, yes. But if you're not watching illicit content, if you're not watching things that are as explicit, then it's not adherently bad to be on YouTube. However, what does Paul say? Paul says that you say I can do anything, but not everything is good for you. Not everything is beneficial for you, is what he goes on to say when he repeats the same thing. What does that mean? That means that we have rights as Christians. We can watch YouTube. We can watch things that the world comes up with. That there's no there's no explicit Bible verse saying that that is sinful, saying that that separates us from God. But those things aren't drawing us closer to God either, and they're not good for us. We don't need those things in our life. Those things are actually distractions, and they're keeping us from God. But we've been, honestly, I, I feel like I'm really good on a soapbox here, but we've been pacified by these things. We've allowed these things to take control of our lives, to pacify us, to distract us, to be the things that we fall into at the end of the day, the beginning of the day, every time that we have a moment, we pacify ourselves with the phone when we could actually be getting closer to God. We could actually be serving the purpose that God created us to serve, and we could be doing a better work for the Christian faith. And honestly, I, 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 I'll tell you what works for me. I've been I've been trying to be better. I've been trying to watch. When I do watch content, I'm trying to be better about watching more Christian content. Some Christian content is hard. It is also difficult. I'll be honest. I know like, maybe if you're like me, there's some stuff you like to watch because you just want to turn your brain off. Like you just want to be entertained. You don't want to think. And that's not an, a bad thing, but also it's not it's not the best thing, right? Like we want rest. We want to relax. But we need to find, you know, ways to, to, to balance the scales. And when this recently, when I've really rededicated to prayer, to Bible study, to Christian content, to listening to podcasts that are like not just by Christians— because I even have a podcast that is a podcast by Christians for Christians that's not theologically based. It's not one to make you think like these other two podcasts are. But we also shouldn't come obsessed with things like that. We should be filling our ears with good things, with beneficial things, with things that are growing us, right? And so now that I've been doing that, the peace, the joy, all of that stuff is different. The Bible says that we have sinful desires. I was just reading about this again um, in what Paul writes. We have sinful desires that war against the Spirit. But when the, the evidence of those sinful desires is clear, and he goes into sexual immorality and some other things, but it also says outbursts of anger. Do you suffer with outbursts of anger? I'll be honest. I've, I have. Getting angry about things that don't really matter, getting upset, you know, stuff like that. But now when you get that closer connection with God and when you follow the Spirit instead of the flesh, that starts to diminish. Now, I'm not going to say it never happens, but it definitely diminishes. It becomes a lot less, and it becomes a lot different when you do get upset, right? Because we're still going to get upset, but the way that we respond is going to be different whenever we're following God fully, when we're using our free time not to play, but to pray, but not to, you know, scroll, but to study, things like that. When we spend the time out of the world and in the Spirit, we're going to be a lot better off, and it's going to change our whole life. So, all this, again, is to say, it, like they told me at Crystals, I hated it. It was the worst. Whenever you would be, finally, finally, it slows down. Fine, right? You've just been in the middle of a rush for 30 minutes, nonstop orders. The drive through was packed. You know, you're getting yelled at, and you're beeping, hot, everything's going on. And then all of a sudden, you get that oasis in the desert, and it just stops. 
and you just take a few minutes because you just want to talk to one of your coworkers and just stand there, lean up against the whatever you're working on and just like have a moment to relax and your manager comes through and looks at you. If you've got time to lean, you've got time to clean. Oh my goodness. It would upset me so much back in the day. And and probably still in some ways would be a little bit annoying. But I understand where they were coming from and it's the truth. And it's going to hurt us a little bit of the flesh to when we sit down and we just want to relax or we want to play that instead we honor God. But man, if you could only think and imagine the things that God's going to do whenever you honor him like that in your life, it's going to be amazing. So the next one I've got for you is building a firm foundation is harder. So I'm going to start reading the quick and easy way to build a shelter is to do whatever to do it on whatever ground you have. But the structure won't last, especially through the storms. You have to dig down deep to find a solid foundation. It's going to require a lot more difficult work, but the results will pay off for decades to come. The same is true in our spiritual life. Jesus taught us this in Matthew 7, 24, 28. That's the passage where Jesus tells us that if the person who builds on a firm foundation of Christ will be able to weather the storm when the rains and the waters come up. But the person who doesn't and builds on sand is not going to be able to. That actually reminds me of, I've got some more in that note, but that actually reminds me, I heard a preacher once talking about that story, and he was saying that if you build your life on the rock, which is Jesus, which is on God's word, right, then you're going to have a firm foundation. Well, what is sand? Sand is pieces of the rock small little fragments that have been beat up and mixed up. So that also applies to spiritual and biblical truth. When we build our life on the biblical foundation of truth, then we'll have a firm foundation. But if we try to build our life on half-truths, part-truths, we're not going to have that firm foundation whenever the storms rise up. Anyways, back to the note. A poor foundation in Christ is one built on a lack of biblical knowledge and prayer. If you're getting tired of getting knocked down by every storm of life, it's time to build a better foundation, but that's going to require you to put some work in to really get into the Bible and learn what it says to develop a real relationship with God through prayer, even when you don't feel like it. I believe it may be possible for some to still be saved with a bad foundation because God is merciful, but that's going to be a rough life, constantly getting beat up by every storm and always trying to put the pieces back together. That's a hard life that truly doesn't have to be that way. Even though so many people who claim to have faith like live like that every day. Think about the homes built in a major hurricane path. Some people choose the quick and easy and cheap route, only to end up making repairs and even rebuilding year after year, while those who made the greater investment have a better foundation, live without fear when the skies get dark. And live without fear when the skies get dark. A strong foundation won't keep the storms away, but it will make it seem like they're not even there. We can live our lives in the same way if we are willing to put in the work to establish a firm foundation of Christ in our lives. That's the end of that note, but I do want to say, like, you have to think about that. It's going to take work in order to build your life in Christ. If you want to build it properly, if you want to find the firm foundation, you're going to have to read the Word. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to attend Bible studies. You're going to have to go to church, and that's how you're going to learn what God's Word says. But when you do that, when you put in the work, you're going to be on such a firm foundation that when life storms come ahead of you, yes, life storms are still going to come when you're a Christian, but when you have a firm foundation, they don't shake you. And just like I said with the hurricanes, I've been in Florida after hurricanes. I've seen where one house stands out of a row of 10 houses. And you think, why is that house still there? And they worked, they put in more work, they put in more money and more time and more investment, and their investment paid off. And the same is true in our spiritual lives. If you want to put in a little, you're going to get a little back in return. If you put in a lot, you're going to get a lot back in return. 
That's the way that it works. I watched a video once that was interviewing somebody whose house stood. And when he walked you through everything that they did, and you think about how much building costs is, it is incredible what this guy did. And it wasn't a concrete house. This was a stick-built house like the other stick-built houses that were around him. But because he did the spacing different, which required a lot more wood, because he used different components that were more expensive, and because he used a lot more screws and a lot more nails to hold everything together, the house stood standing and he didn't have to make repairs. Think about the money that that's going to save him in the long run, right? Think about the time, the hurt, and everything it's going to save you if you just put in the work to build a better life for Christ. That's what you need to do. Don't be focused on how can I balance how can I balance like what I want to do in the flesh and what I can do for Christ because it's not going to work. Your life's going to come it's going to collapse. It's going to fall down around you and you're going to have to spend time picking up the pieces. But if you choose to follow God, it's not going to be easy. It's going to require work. It's going to require a time commitment. But it's going to make you have a better life in the end. So the next note I've got is about giving blood. Starting by saying, recently I had my yearly checkup and had to give blood for a test. This is something that I dread. Not from being scared of blood or needles. They themselves do not scare me. I just really don't like being stabbed by the needle. I can feel it the whole time. I worry about moving with that thing in me. It just is not an enjoyable experience, and I imagine that's the same way for many people. Yet, this way of giving blood pales in the comparison in the way that Jesus gave his blood for us. Jesus took severe abuse and the most gruesome, painful death the twisted minds of the Romans could come up with. And he did it willingly and by choice. The Bible says that they only had the, the he, sorry, the Bible says that only he had the power to lay down his life. A statement that rings true when those who came to take Jesus away fell back when he answered, I am he. Jesus didn't have to go with them. He had already passed through angry mobs. He had all power and could have called down innumerable, innumerable angels. Yet he chose to humbly take the punishment we deserved and give his blood that we might be saved. It's clear in scripture that it wasn't an easy decision. His prayers, are, he prayed so hard that he began to sweat blood, which is a real medical condition. I struggle not, I struggle not eating I'm sorry, I, I have a typo and it messed me completely up. I struggle not wanting to give a couple pints of blood or a couple vials of blood every year, but really that's nothing in comparison to what Jesus did when he gave all of his blood for us. Personally, that really puts some things in perspective for me. So that, that concludes that note, but you have to think about that. Like, we don't even want to give a little bit of blood. Or we see the medic blood van out, think about it like that, and we don't want to get in there and give blood to people who are in need of blood, and we could be the very ones who need it one day. It's hard for us to want to do that sort of thing, right? But Jesus came down. He humbled himself, the Bible says, and took the position of a man, a servant, and then gave his life for a bunch of sinful people who would take it for granted for so long, right? Because we lived our lives without Jesus for a long time, even though he'd already given his life for us, right? We took it for granted for years until we finally realized, oh, this is true. And then... This is the way that he chose to do it. The worst, most gruesome possible way. Don't you think that if he could have just hooked up to an IV and just been drained, that would have been a lot less a lot less painful? He would have probably just drifted off is how it would have happened. But instead, he suffered and he bled so that we could be saved. Think about the great blessing that is the next time that you don't want to give blood. That's what I'm going to have to do. And I'm going to have to give thanks to God for the great and mighty sacrifice that he made for us to be saved. I mean, there's just honestly, there's nothing better than thinking about what God did for us. So this next one I've titled, What's More Valuable? And I want to give a little backstory about this one before I read it. So I woke up the other morning 
And I'm kind of a weirdo. I like to have several alarms. So I kind of like get to wake up early and then like, oh, I'm going to go back to sleep. But then the other day I was like, well, I like to wake up. Normally I get up 10 minutes early before I like start getting ready to pray. And I was like, well, what if I got up 10 minutes before that? So I would have 20 minutes extra. And then that time to get up 20 minutes extra came. And I was like, I don't know if I really want to do this. And then that's when God hit me and was starting to ask me what's more valuable. And that's what spurred this note. Obviously, I didn't write it down at 5.30 in the morning the other day. So it's a little bit different than what it was in the moment. But this is basically what God hit me with. A million dollars or time with God. Would you be willing to do more to be freely given a million dollars or to spend time with God? Most of us are quick to think that that's a lot of money and could really change things for me. I may only have one shot to obtain it. I can still spend time with God later. Jesus repeated the things of God to great wealth, like finding treasure buried in a field and selling all you have to buy the field. Scripture tells us that prayer has the power to change things in even areas that great wealth has no effect. Also, how do we know that we'll have another chance to spend time with God? What does your time with God cost you on a regular basis? Are you willing to give it up for a little more sleep? Extra money by taking an extra shift at work, or just more time to scroll or binge shows on Netflix. This shouldn't be so for people with such great promises, or for those. Sorry, those shouldn't be. This shouldn't be so. Wow, I'm making myself look awful. I've got to practice reading these things. This shouldn't be so for people with such great promises to just simply spend time with their God. So, I want to go back because it really hit me that morning. It was like. Would I, if, I, if I'm laying here in bed right now, would I get out of bed and go in that living room if there was somebody in there and all I had to do was go in the living room and talk to them and they were going to give me a million dollars? And that was my first thought. That's a lot of money. That could really change some things. You know, I could really do something for God. I could really do this or that. And But would I do that same thing for prayer? Because here I am struggling to actually get out of bed and go in there and talk to God. And what God has to offer me is far more valuable than a million dollars. God has the ability to heal those who are sick. God has the ability to move in any situation. God has the ability to bless us financially, if that's his will. God has the ability to save us. That money's not going to last. Earthly treasure will rust and will be moth-eaten. It will go away. But heavenly treasure lasts forever. How do we get heavenly treasure? Well, one of the ways that we get heavenly treasure is spending time with God, right? So what God has to offer is far more valuable. That All the money in the world is not going to buy you health. It might be able to buy you things that keep you a little bit healthier, but it's not going to. All the money in the world doesn't solve cancer. All the money in the world doesn't extend your life past the average life expectancy, right? You're not going to be able to escape death regardless of how much money you have. However, those who love God, those who spend time with God, they are going to escape death. They're going to be the ones who live a life of eternity, right? And so. That's what we need to be doing. That's where our value should be. Our value shouldn't be on money. It shouldn't be on things. It shouldn't be on stuff. It shouldn't be on relationships or anything like that. Our value should first be on time with God, and all the rest will come together. That's the way that it works with God. All things come to the good of those who believe. All things are going to come together if we spend, if we do things with God. Now, I'm not saying like if you go talk to God, God's going to give you a million dollars, obviously, but that time with God in the long run is so much more valuable than any amount of money could possibly be. That's really what it hit me with that morning, and I realized, like, it, it's just a question, too, though. 
what would you be more willing to do? And that evaluates your your relationship with God. If you're more willing to go in there for the million dollars than you are to talk to God, do you really love God? Do you really understand God is even a better question. Let's not even talk about love. Maybe you love God to the best of your understanding of God, but you lack a true understanding of the greatness of our God. That's the thing to think about. What's more valuable to you? Simple question. That's where I'm going to leave that one. God's requests are simple compared to sins. That's the next note. It's a sad truth that we will often work much harder to sin than we will to keep God's word. God really doesn't ask us to do anything that difficult. More often than not, God just asks us to not do certain things that we end up having to work to do. This alone shows us the reality of God. Why else would we work so hard to sin when it's so much simpler to live a, a free a life free of sin? Right? Isn't that interesting to think about? So, what does God ask us to do? God asks us to not sin. Every sin is a work. It's something that we have to do. You don't commit adultery by not doing something. Either you're thinking or you're you know, pursuing something, right? Theft, that's a work. You've got to work in order to steal something. And honestly, it's amazing how often somebody will work so much harder to steal something than they will if they would just get a job. It would actually be easier on them than what they're doing to try to steal from people, Right? But why is it so easy to chase after those kind of works than it is to chase after the things of God? God asks us to pray. That's a conversation, right? I mean, we talk with people all the time. Why aren't we willing to talk to God? God asks us to read the Bible. He's not asking us to climb a mountain. He's not asking us to go out and, you know, try to build a car from scratch, right? He's not asking us to do anything difficult. He's asking us to do very simple things. We're asked to love one another, and love fulfills the law. Well, love's a pretty easy thing to do. It's a lot easier to treat other people how you want to be treated, right? These are not difficult requests. Even if you look at the plan of salvation as told by Peter in Acts 2.38, which says, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's what Peter said when he was directly asked by those with faith, what must we do to be saved? And it's the way that you see salvation take place in the lives of every other person in the book of Acts. There's faith followed by repentance, followed by baptism, and the receiving of the Holy Ghost it happens over and over and over again in the book of Acts. But yet we have people who struggle to believe and to follow the plan of salvation today. Why is that? Because God's asking you to do a simple thing that you're not willing to do, right? And why is it? It's probably because, like I said a second ago, you don't know God and you don't fully love God because you don't fully understand God. That's the truth of the matter. If all this is real, the things that God is asking us to do to have eternal life in a place with no sin, no sadness, and no night is pretty amazing, right? That's the promise that is in Scripture. So, why aren't we willing to be baptized? That's taking a bath. It's being dunked in water. It's a pretty simple process. And a lot of times, if you've got stage right in front of people, most churches won't require you to be baptized in front of the full congregation, though it shouldn't matter to you either way. Right? Repentance is a very easy process. All we have to do is say, God, please forgive me of my sins, and may I, you help me to not fall back into those sins again. I don't want to go back to that place. That's what repentance means. It's a turning away from previous sins. I seek forgiveness from God, and I make a goal to not go back to that place. These are very simple things. God isn't asking you to do anything very difficult. He's not asking you to do anything hard. So why are you willing to work to sin if you're not willing to do easy things to follow God? 
That's the real question. And a lot of times people are hiding sin, which is a whole other level of work all in itself that is much more difficult. So this is, this is a great one after the way that I've talked in this podcast today, this next note. So I titled it, Not With Clever Speech. And my reference verse is 1 Corinthians, here we go, again, 1 Corinthians 1, 17. Now I don't have the verse in here, but Paul is saying that he didn't come to the, the Corinthians with clever speech. He didn't come with great words or a great ability to speak. And Paul actually references it multiple times throughout 1 and 2 Corinthians that he is not an excellent speaker, which... Honestly, when you've read through Paul's books and you've not really paid attention to those verses, you're like blown away. But the con- the critique that he was receiving from them is that he was a much better writer and he was much more harsh and pushing and like strong in writing than he was when he would come and preach to them in person. However, let's read whatever else I've got here because I think it's really impactful. I find these verses really interesting in light of modern or really pop Christianity. I listen to a lot of Christian podcasts from people from all sorts of viewpoints. What you start to notice is just how many Christian leaders try to think up clever ways to present information from the Bible in order to captivate audiences, which is opposite of what Paul was saying he tried to do, which we can often see in the plainness of his writing. God's Word doesn't really need our help to captivate a sincere audience. Often we can draw a crowd that is more interested in human wisdom than God's wisdom. It's also nice to know that we don't have to be strong in speech in order to have a great impact in the Bible. In fact, Paul says multiple times in 1 Corinthians that he, is a great, he isn't a great speaker. Like unto Moses, who God wanted to lead a whole nation, but wasn't a great speaker. I pray for these podcasts that I don't try to use such clever speech that I begin taking away from the cross. Which, if, like, are we really there as it is already? I can hardly make, I can hardly read through some of these things. But I think that was really encouraging to me. I think that sometimes we struggle even to share our faith with other people because we're worried about how we're going to present it, like how we're going to say it. And the truth of the matter is that as long as we're just giving the Bible as it is, as long as we're sharing biblical truth, then God is able to move. God isn't looking for us to come up with these fancy ways of like making analogies and metaphors and like these things that are going to, it's great. I understand why people do it, but it's not a super necessary thing because we already have God's inspired word. We already have what God is able to do. And what God is able to do is have a massive impact through his word on those whose soil is fertile, right? If your heart is fertile for God's word, it doesn't matter how it's presented to you, it's gonna have an effect on you. But sometimes in the new modern pop Christianity, we really struggle in order to keep those things right. You know, we, we struggle to, um, we struggle to not want to just oversimplify or come up with kitschy, neat, cute ways to say things that we hope are going to um, captivate the audience. And so for, for just regular Joes, for average people who aren't great speakers like myself and possibly like some of you, it can be hard to, I don't know how to say this. See, that, that already goes ahead and show it. It can be hard sometimes to want to share your faith because you feel like you're not going to share it in a way that's impactful. But the truth of the matter is, as long as you're sharing your faith, it can be impactful. And so that's really encouraging to me, especially trying to do these podcasts and shorts and to like share things, is that one of the greatest evangelists, the greatest ministers, the greatest, you know, like we still read Paul's words and are amazed by it, was like, I'm not a great speaker. That that means a lot whenever we're not that great of speakers, right? So I just hope that encourages somebody out there to get out there and share your faith. Don't worry about how you're saying it or if you have a stutter or if you, you know, can't think of anything more interesting than just sharing God's word. There's nothing more interesting, really, than sharing God's word, right? So 
that's just my two cents on that. Now, I'm not going to condemn anybody who, any pastors or anybody who is given to things like that, but it is definitely not worth focusing on all the time. I'll say that for sure. I think first and foremost, we should be focused on what God has already said for himself and then go from there, which leads perfectly into the next one, which I wasn't even thinking about when I said that, but it's, you can't speak for God if. Now, I want to take a minute here to plug. I've been doing some short form content on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, and I've only got a couple out right now. I hope to continue it. Maybe you came from those platforms. I'm going to be putting out clips from the different podcasts out as we upload those as well. Uh, every day to hopefully you know create cultivate a, a good audience but i'm putting out some shorts so if you're not checked those out definitely you know get onto one of the, the platforms where you can watch shorts on instagram tiktok or youtube and uh see that because that's where i actually recorded a short of this exact thing and already have had it out for um, you know about a week now so just one of those things to keep in mind if you're interested in that kind of content but anyways so I wrote, you can't speak for God if you've not read what God said for himself, that being the Bible, the inspired word of God, in its entirety. The reason we have so many different messages in Christianity today, especially in progressive Christianity, is because people claim to speak for God when they have never read more than their daily verse notification. They fail to understand what they teach is false because God says in his word that any message that contradicts what he has already said is false, even if one of the apostles or an angel delivered the message. As well as the fact that progressive Christianity is proved false by its popularity in the world, as scripture says in the last days, people will no longer listen to wholesome teaching, instead looking for teachers that will teach what is pleasing to their ears. Progressive teaching is popular simply because it isn't true and is what lost people want to hear because it never calls them to turn from their sinful behavior and repentance, as any biblical teaching does. If you don't know what the Bible says, then you are not speaking for the God it proclaims. You are speaking for the God of this world, leading yourself and those who are willing to listen deeper into sin and closer to hell. I pray God will open the eyes of false teachers and their followers. May they all find the fullness of truth contained in the Bible and turn from their sinful ways. In Jesus' name, amen. So, my whole point was saying all of that is basically to say that first line. If you haven't read God's word, you can't speak for God. You can't speak for a God that you don't know what he's already said. God's told us everything that we need to know. The Bible does not change. That's the reason that some of these religions that exist today that say that they're Christians or say that they follow the Bible are false because they have additional books that add to and or change what the Bible has already said, which... We have in God's word saying, if that happens, don't believe it because it's not true. And sadly, there's a lot of people who have been taken captive by such religions. So, you need to know what God's word says if you want to speak for God. You can't say that, well, God is, you know, God believes this or God is that and blah, blah, if you haven't actually read the Bible. And I believe that you should read the Bible in its entirety as a Christian if you want to speak on any of the matters of God. I know it's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way, but it's the truth. There's a lot in the Bible and it, I, I'm sorry, but I don't care how long you're in church. You're not going to hear all of it, especially not from Old Testament to the New Testament, all 66 books. There's no way that you're going to hear everything that God said by simply attending church every week. It's not going to happen. There's verses that pastors are just simply not going to preach on for various reasons that I'm not going to get into right now. But you need to go, you need to read the Bible, and you need to read it in context. Because your daily verse notification is completely out of context. You get one, maybe two verses out of a Bible, right, that contains thousands of verses. That's not enough. A daily Bible verse is not enough to feed you, first of all, and second of all, 
to give you the knowledge to speak on the behalf of the King of Kings. God said a lot in his word, and if you want to be able to speak for God, if you want to say that you know what God's word says, and you know what, especially if you want to say you know what you believe, then you need to read the Bible. Because otherwise, you've created a God in your mind. And most likely, it's a God that thinks like you think, that talks like you talk, and believes what you believe. And our God is pushing us to be to think like he thinks, to talk like he thinks, and to believe what he believes. The Bible has all the answers, and if you need to know the answer to a question on what you should believe concerning a certain topic, then you need to get in the Bible and see what it has to say about that very subject. Which leads into the next one that also I made into a short, and I've titled this note just Dead and Weak Christians. It should come as no surprise that we have so many dead Christians today because they've never ate. Nor should it surprise us that there are so many weak Christians today because they've never eaten solid food. If we want to be all that God has called us to be, to walk in his truth, to labor in the field, then we need to open up the Bible consuming all that we can, and not just the John 3.16s and the Philippians 4.13s. We need to get into the deep spiritual meat that Paul wrote about, the real spiritual food that is contained within our Bible. That's how we're going to do the best and most effective work for Jesus Christ. God, may you help us to find that meat in the Bible. May we be well-fed, strong laborers in the field who do not get weary, but are able to carry on your truth to the farthest corner of the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you feel lifeless in your faith, if you feel dead or even weak in your faith, or if you know people who are those things in Christ, then it's because they're not being fed. They're not eating God's word. And also, you got to think about it this way. How many times do you go to church a week, if, if at all? nowadays now that covid's happened right because this doesn't count this is a little bit this is like listening to any podcast and honestly is like the appetizer now you can fill up on appetizers but you're never going to get the enjoyment and the 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 taste the savor of a real meal right you're just going to be piecing something together all the time and it's going to take you a lot longer to get full but how often do you go like how often is your church service if that's how you if that's how you're fed at church how often are you at church? Once a week? At the most. At the most, three times a week? And you're eating twice on Sunday, right? So you eat two days out of the week. Is that how you would eat any other kind of food? No. And you would be weak? And you'd be hungry? And you would honestly be close to death? And that's where a lot of Christians are. If you want to be a strong Christian, if you want to be like the people in the books of, the book of Acts, if you want to be like the Wesleys, and, you know, these great men of God throughout history, the Billy Grahams, or, you know, the people involved in the Azusa Street Revival, whatever you want it to be, if you want to be somebody that's doing great work for God and isn't getting weary or tired, then you need to be eating. You need to be well-fed. You need to be constantly consuming the Word. That's where you need to be if you want to be that way. Otherwise, you're just going to be weak. And that's why a lot of people aren't prepared to share their faith with the lost because the lost are more fed sometimes than we are, right? Atheists are deep. They, they know a lot. They're eating a lot of their own food, and they're going to come at you pretty hard. So if you're not full, if you're not strong, it's just not going to work out for you. And it's the same as this next one. I guess I just had a certain mindset about you know getting into God's Word, getting the things that we need. So this is lacking spiritual nutrients. Trees need nutrients to produce good fruit. A tree that lacks essential nutrients will not produce a good harvest, while a tree that is well fertilized will produce seemingly endless amounts of fruit. The reason so many Christians are not producing fruit today is because they lack the spiritual nutrients they need to thrive. Many can hardly find themselves 
in church, so it's not really a surprise that they aren't producing fruit. When the when the right spiritual nutrients are poured into our lives, we simply can't help but produce fruit. But that kind of fruit, but that kind of good fertilizer will only come from sound biblical teaching, studying, and praying, all of which is sadly lacking in our world today, but it doesn't have to be that way. So Jesus said that we would be able to tell somebody by the fruit that they produce. But it seems today like we have a lot of people who are claiming to be Christians. They're not producing bad fruit. You know, they're not they're not living in, in sin. They're not walking around wickedly or evilly. However, they're still not producing good fruit either. And why is that? Because they don't have the nutrients they need to produce the fruit. We're not going to be able to do a work for God if we're not taking in things from God. We have nothing to pour out if we've not been filled up. It's funny to me also thinking about this now that I've got all these crazy analogies after talking about clever speech, and I do apologize. I still hold to that, and we don't have to come up with clever things to explain the gospel, but this is just simply what I felt God has given me this week, and so I have to share it. But that's the truth of it. If you don't have the nutrients that you need, you're not going to produce the fruit that you should be producing. And so if you want to produce fruit, if you want to be active for God in your life, then you're going to have to consume God. You can't do these things without living for God. You can't, if you're not living for God throughout your day, then how are you expecting to win souls? You can't win, you can't convince somebody else to believe what you don't have, right? Like you can't give somebody what you don't have. We can't share our faith if we don't have anything to share, right? And so if we want to be productive members of the faith, of the body, then we need to be well nutrients. We need the prayer, we need the worship, we need the time in God's word, we need sound biblical teaching coming from pulpits into our ears, we need to be receiving things that are good, and then we will produce the fruit that God intended for us to produce. I just, I, I don't know how to go any further with that. Uh, this one I titled Holiness, and it's because, um, well the note says it all, but this is not mine but i heard it on youtube short and it really hit me so i thought it was worth writing down and even sharing again this is a god note from just something that somebody else said but i just thought it was great and it was a street preacher which has really captivated me recently these people who are willing to go out and just speak to god or speak for god in public places even they're wearing like headsets with uh, speakers now and it's just mind-boggling to me that people are willing to go out there and do that brave enough they know what to say they have these messages prepared i think it's awesome Maybe really need to meet some people that do that, you know, but that are sincere, true. Because like, the, I've seen people on YouTube that walk both lines. You have people who are just wanting to win souls, and you have people out there that are condemning people. And there's two different things there. But this street preacher was talking about um, holiness, and he said, "Holiness does not bring you to Christ. Christ brings you to holiness." I really think that's a profound statement if you think about it, and it's true. We ex- like some people expect that they're not going to be able to come to God until they've changed their life. But God says, no, 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 come to me and I will change your life, right? If we want to become holy, we don't have to become holy before we come to Christ. We need to come to Christ and Christ is going to help us to become holy, right? And that's how we need to look at other people. We don't need to look at other people thinking that they need to change before they come to Christ. What we need to be worried with is touching the hearts of people. Then we need to be worried with is showing the love of God to people. Now, we don't condone sinful behavior, but God can do that work. That's not our work. Our work is to tell people the good news about Jesus Christ to go forth doing that. Now, if they ask a direct question, am I living in sin? Yes, if they fall into that category, like if 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, idolaters, you know, uh, sexual immorality, homosexuality, these things, greedy, lustful, 
all of these things, prideful, arrogant, boastful, these are all sinful types of people. There's a whole list there. Go read the whole list because you may find yourself struggling with some of those things. Anyway, we shouldn't be saying, but you must get rid of this before you can come to God. Well, that's not what God made us do. God didn't say, you have to completely change your life and come to me. We need to come to him in repentance, asking for forgiveness and help to change. But we can't expect people to change before they've actually met the changer, right? Jesus is the one that changes us. And if we want to, if we want to see people change, we need to lead them to the cross and lead them to Jesus. Jesus will make them holy. But we have to first tell them about Jesus. How will they know if no one's told them, right? And what is it? How will they believe if they have not heard? And how will they hear if there are not those who preach? Right? That's the simple truth. And we're all able to be preachers. We're all able to, all preaching is, is just sharing the word of God. And that's something that we're all able to do. Jesus said to make disciples of all nations. He wasn't telling that just to the apostles. He was telling that to all of his followers before he left. We all need to be making disciples. So as we go out, don't be judging people. That's not our role. Our role is to say, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. You're a sinner. You're not going to heaven because of your sins, not because of specific sins. We don't need to get specific sins. We're all sinners. Everybody's fallen short of the glory of God, right? We've all sinned. So let's not focus on the specific sin, but say, God's able to change your life. I almost wonder if you'd have a conversation with one of those people, not telling them that they're right. I don't believe that you can go to heaven and live a sinful lifestyle. And we'll get into what a sinful lifestyle is in a second, because that's the last note that we have today. But what we have to understand is that I think that you could go up to one of these people and say, listen, here's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that God is real, that God loves you, and God has a certain standard set. And I know that right now, you don't understand why God doesn't want you to be the way that you think that you are. But what I'm telling you is that if you just trust in God, if you turn to God, if you repent and say, God, I have lived a sinful lifestyle and I don't want to live a sinful lifestyle anymore, even if you don't understand why your lifestyle is sinful, that God will move into you and your heart will change, that your desires will change, that the things that you think are true right now, you'll realize are false. That's what God is able to do. We need to get people to that place. We don't need to try to change people in that moment and change their hearts and change their mind. God will provide the new clothing. God will help them to take off the old man and put on the new man. But we need to expose them to God and to his love and to his grace and to his mercy because they're going to fall because you fell, right? You can't tell me that you came to Jesus and you never sinned again. None of us have. We've all fallen short again. And that's why John wrote, our hope is that you sin not. But if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father who is able to forgive you of your sins, that being Jesus Christ. So what we need to help people understand is that right now, your mind, you don't understand God, and you don't understand why God says that the way that you're living is sinful. But what I'm telling you is that if you trust in God, if you say, God, I do believe that Jesus was real. I do believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I do believe that you created all that I can see, that your mind is going to change. If you get in the Bible and you're sincere and you pray and you seek God, the way that you think right now will change. That's what we need to help people understand. Our job isn't to condemn God's word is, is going to tell them what the truth is, and we can share what the truth is with them, but we need to get them to God, and God will do the rest. I think it's the same problem. I'm going off on like a super big rabbit trail off of this little tiny, this little tiny note here, but I truly believe that it is the exact same thing when it comes to uh, political issues. Democrats and Republicans, conservatives and liberals, right? A lot of Christians fall under the conservatives. We don't agree with certain practices that are taking place today. 
but we're trying to show about changing it the wrong way. If we would focus on winning the hearts, the minds, and the souls to Jesus Christ, everything else would change. If we lived in a Christian nation, we wouldn't suffer with these things. If we lived in a nation that believed God's word, who knew God and knew the Bible, then we wouldn't be struggling with abortion. We wouldn't be struggling with the alphabet issue. We wouldn't be struggling with all these issues. We wouldn't have these problems because people wouldn't be sinning in that way. That's not to say that people wouldn't still struggle with some of those sins and some of those desires that come up, because some of us desire to sin sometimes. Let's just be honest, right? But we wouldn't live in a nation ruled by sin like we do right now. At some point, instead of trying to evangelize our faith, we tried to legalize our faith. Right? We stopped being evangelists for the gospel, and we thought maybe if we just put it all into law and we try to vote it all into law, that's what's going to save people. Law doesn't save people. We know that from the Bible. There's a reason that Jesus Christ came, and that's because the law could never save people. So why are we trying to set our faith as law again instead of trying to simply reach the lost with the good news of Jesus Christ? If we focused on that more than we focused on sharing political things, then I guarantee you the political state of this country would change. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that you shouldn't vote for the candidate that you believe holds up the Bible, and I shouldn't, I'm not saying that you shouldn't you know, even go to an anti-this rally or vote yes or no on this thing. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is if you want to see this world align with the Bible, don't focus on the politics. Focus on the heart and the soul and the mind. That's what's going to change this world. The only thing that can change is God. I don't care what we try to legislate. That's not going to change it. We can't be trying to legislate our faith. We need to be trying to evangelize our faith. And then that will change the legislation. That's what's going to change it. That's the only way that we're going to get there. Finally, this is super short, which I'll probably elaborate on, as we know at this point. If you guys are listening to the podcast, then you know that that's what it is. But this is going to be our last, our last note, which is difference between falling to sin and living in sin. If you work on a car once, you are not a mechanic. Just as if you have a lustful thought, you are not an adulterer. You committed an adulterous act, but to be an adulterer requires practicing that act. So that's really all I wrote for that one, but like, think about it. That's, the, that's, that's all that you really need to say. There's a difference between falling into sin. If you fall into a, a, a lustful thought, that doesn't make you an adulterer. That means that you committed an adulterous thought. You need to repent of that. But an adulterer is somebody who lives in adultery. Either they consistently think about adulterous things constantly. That's what they feed on. That's what their mind is constantly rotating around. Or there's somebody that obviously like has an extramarital affair or something like that. But you, it's not a one-time fall into sin. There's a difference between living in sin and falling into sin, and that difference is how you respond to it. If you fall to a sin and you fall also to repentance, to seeking God, and you don't continue in that action, you don't make a practice out of it, then you don't have that title. And that's what you read, like in First Corinthians six through nine, like or six nine through eleven, like I mentioned earlier. Those verses say like these people, and he gives them that title, will not receive, will not enter the kingdom of heaven, right? Well, you're not an adulterer because you had one adulterous thought. Now you need to repent of that thought as soon as it comes into your mind and leaves your mind. You need to say, God, forgive me. I shouldn't have thought that. But that doesn't mean that you're that. If you think a greedy thing, I don't really want to give this to this person, or I'm going to see how much money I can gain up, but then you don't actually do it, 
and you you like, like why was I thinking that? That is ridiculous. That's sinful. I shouldn't be thinking that way. Then you're not a greedy person. You're a good person. You need to repent, obviously, and help and have God help you to overcome these things. However, that's not your title, right? There's a difference between sinful people, people who live in sin, and people who fall to sin. The Bible says not to make a practice of sinning. So we don't need to have sin every day in our lives, the same sins over and over again. If you're living in the same sin every single day, then you have made a practice of that, and that you are in that, and you're leading yourself away from the kingdom of heaven. You need to break that chain. The only way you're going to break that chain repentance, through praying to God, through seeking God's help, through getting away from that sin. Do whatever it takes. Jesus wrote that if your left hand or your right hand sins against you, then cut it off and cast it into the fire, right? Even if your hand is what's causing you to sin, get rid of it. So if your phone causes you to sin, don't have a phone. If your job causes you to sin, it's time to get a new job. These are difficult things. It's like cutting your hand off and getting rid of it because it causes you to sin. Do you think how much worse would your life be if you had one less hand, right? But God is saying, you need to get rid of anything, regardless of what it is. Even if it was your hand, get rid of it if it's causing you to sin. Because that's the worst thing. You don't want to end up in hell. Get rid of anything that's causing you to sin. So if you're making a practice of it, that's when it's going to mess up your life. But when you fall to sin, obviously you should be remorseful, you should be repentful, and you should seek God. But there is a vast difference between living in sin and falling to sin. And we don't want to live in sin, and we want to do our best not to fall in sin. But when we fall in sin, we don't need to let the devil get into our head. That's what I'm really trying to say. That's what I'm really clear about. It's because the enemy is going to try to attack you and say that you're less than and say that God doesn't love you because you fell to sin, and that's not the truth. And even if you're living in sin right now, you're separated from God at the moment. That's the simple truth. If you're living in sin, then you're not in a right relationship with God, and you need to address that and fix it, but you still can fix it. Don't let the enemy convince you that of either. But if you fell to sin, don't think that your entire life is ruined and that you'll never be able to overcome it. Now, you have to be careful because adultery, especially the act of adultery, not just the, the thoughts that are, in, that are involved in adultery, but if you literally commit adultery, you cheat on your wife, you walked a path of sin to get there. And you were adulterous. You didn't just have one bad thought or something like that. You walked a bad path, and that's how you ended up where you were at. Just like pride. If you have a prideful thought, oh man, I think I'm so great. Well, by the time you fall because of pride, that wasn't because of one thought. That was because you've been living a prideful lifestyle, and you've separated yourself with God, and you need to do some things to get yourself back, and you can still get back there. God is merciful. God is loving. God is kind, and he will accept you even when you have fallen and even when you, you know, have messed up. Thank God, right? We all mess up and we all do a lot of things. And I pray that God would just continue to show us his mercy and grace as we are promised in his word that he will. And we're so thankful for it. Well, I hope this podcast has been a blessing. I don't know if I should have called this rambling with God. That's what it feels like a little bit more. But I just really like to be able to sit down and to just share things that God has given me. It's a whole big long list. I mean, I don't even know how many... I don't even know how many things that was this week. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So that's 11, 11 things, and we've been talking for almost an hour. So, But I just feel like it's a blessing to be able to hear from God and to talk to God, and then I think it's a blessing to share these things with other people and hopefully it gets you thinking. That's the You just need to think about some of these things because I, I believe that God is speaking to us, especially in these last days. I don't Obviously, we don't know the day or the hour when God's coming back, but... Every day, things keep getting worse, and it keeps feeling like God's going to be coming sooner. So we definitely need to be prepared. 
I pray that God would just help all of us. I pray that we'd put this in our hearts and in our minds. I pray for myself. I'm so thankful that I get to do this podcast, that I get to spend time with God, and that God speaks to me because of that. And I pray that he would help me to keep these things on the top of my mind, because if he's speaking them to me, then in some way that they have to apply to my life. Whether that's just needing to remember these things about when other people fall to sin, or to remember these things about holiness, so that way I have the right view of the lost and other people who are struggling with things. You know, or if I just need to remember that God has given these things to everybody and it's not just me, right? Or to think of the great sacrifice. That one about giving blood, man, like, I really hit me after, like, just thinking about the fact that I didn't want to give blood last week. Like, that was my, there's a lot of tests in that checkup, man, that I have to do. And that's definitely the worst one, but it's nothing compared to what Jesus did for us. And when he gave us salvation and gave us a way and made a way for us to be saved, I mean, I can't imagine what he went through, and he did it all knowing what was coming. He did it willingly. He walked towards it, and he laid down his life for all of us. And that's just, thank you, Jesus. I thank you for what you're willing to do. I don't know what else to say about that one, but I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Be sure to come back on Friday for the Better Together podcast, where me and my wife will be talking about who knows what in a podcast that is mostly silly, but a lot of fun to make. Uh, and then be sure to come back Monday, check out the shorts. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to us uh, with all these various platforms probably the best way to do that is the more god less me podcast at gmail.com if you disagree with anything that i said please let me know i'd love to love to have that conversation with you again these are just open and honest thoughts i'm not telling you how to believe how to live i'm just telling you what i believe god is leading me to and sharing it with the best of my ability but i really do love you guys as as brothers and sisters in the faith if you don't believe i love you even if you're not in the faith as brothers and sisters created by god because that's truly what i believe i think you guys are all are all wonderful people. I think that God loves you. God wants to draw closer to you. God wants to know you. God wants to have an intimate relationship with you regardless of who you are or what you've done. I pray you have a great rest of your week and God bless.